I started teaching about knowing the Holy Spirit about eight weeks ago, I think nine weeks ago, uh, we, uh, we had a break, sorry, we had a, had a stopover uh, because of Easter along the line, so, but this is the eighth part of the series, knowing the Holy Spirit, knowing the Holy Spirit. So today I want to focus on one of the crucial ministry of the Holy Spirit, uh, and this is how it comforts us. So today, we are looking at the, knowing the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Somebody said the Comforter. The Comforter. Now, my the, uh, scriptural focus, no, uh, let me try not to be too Christian this morning. So the Bible verses I will focusing on this morning uh, will be taken from John chapter 14, verse 16 and 26. So we start from, we take verse 16 and then we jump to 26. Right. And that's because those two verses focuses on the ministry of the Holy Ghost in terms of comfortance. Amen. So uh, before I go on, uh, go for that, I would like to say welcome you to uh, the Transformers Church, the Community Hall in Priory Rice School, the Meeting Kings. Uh, this is where we're going to be meeting from next week. So we kind of perfecting all the testing today. I've been plugging mic, pulling out mics and all kind of stuff this morning. Right, so next week we look forward to connecting with you. So all you guys, I hope uh, who have been sending me a private message asking if we hold a face-to-face meeting. Now I'm announcing we hold a face-to-face meeting. I'll try to put out a few uh, um, flyer announcements on social media just to help us to remind us that now we meet face-to-face so you guys can, can show up. Amen. So we still have an online church. We have a vibrant online church, and we're not going to leave them behind. We're going to ensure that everybody is well carried along in this journey in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So uh, as I want to continue, John chapter 14, 16, and 26, it said, so let's start with verse, six, uh, verse 16. Now, Jesus speaking to his disciples. Now, John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16, this was, this was Jesus, you know, uh, wrapping up his early ministry and um, was, you know, saying to his disciples some fundamental things, some crucial things they need to know. So, you know, when somebody is about to die, in a sense, you know, the last words they give you are, are, are they carry most weight because they know that, you know, after this point, you're not going to see me anymore. We thank the Lord Jesus because he has not departed from us. His earthly ministry was what was ending, right? But Jesus Christ is with us today, still with us, and will be forever be with us. So I will now justify this. I will show this to us from the scriptures. Amen. So verse 16 of John chapter 14, Jesus said, he said, And now we ask the Father, and we give you another comforter. So today I'll be reading from the Amplified Version uh, because... It's going to help me to really expound on this fundamental topic of ministry of the Holy Ghost. Amen. As you can see here, I'm excited already. So let's take it again. John chapter 14, verse 16. And now we ask the Father, and we give you another comforter. Now, Amplified breaks it out for you guys and expounds on it. So it calls him counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and stand by that he may remain with you forever. Right? So when I was talking about Jesus being with us and not leaving us, let's look at verse 26 and hear what Jesus says there. 
So verse 26 of John chapter 14, Jesus says, But the Comforter, whom the Father will send in my name. Now, Amplified puts it this way. I mean, that phrase, whom the Father will send in my name. In my place to represent me and act on my behalf. So the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is acting on behalf of Jesus in our lives. So some people will say things like, they wish Jesus was physically here on earth. Now, Jesus being here on earth in the human form was to a very much extent limited by the human body as to where it can be at a time, how many people it can communicate to. And that's why you see thousands or you read about thousands, you know, gathering around him to hear. And Jesus' ministry was limited to a very much extent because People did not have a spiritual understanding to comprehend the things that Jesus was teaching them. And that's why he had to speak in parables most of the time. And Jesus said that it is to your own benefit that I go away. We will get into that in John chapter 16 next week. And he said, if he does not go away, the comforter, the Holy Spirit will not come. So we'll look at that next week. Fantastic. So today, let's carry on looking at this part one of the ministry of the comforter. So the definitions of the comforter. According to the Amplified Bible, reads counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. Now, these words are the words I would like us to expound on this morning. Like I said earlier on, many of you got to repent this morning. Right. I repeat, many of you will have to repent this morning of your pride and arrogance. I, being the chief and the captain, of pride in this context. Amen. So I started my repentance last night. So you two got to repent this morning. Praise the Lord. And you're going to see why you got to repent shortly. Amen. So um, I have a sister in the house with me today. I, you know, this is one of the sisters that troubles me the most in this church, positively. <laughs> I know sister to say, oh Lord, <clears throat> you better know what you... you, do, you I think if a pastor, if you really want to know what you're doing, right, uh, you just need to have like five of them in your church because they're going to ask you questions. So if you don't know what you're teaching, may the Lord help your ministry. Amen. So it's good to have you in our, in our beta uh, testing session, right? So I'm looking at her face because of, like, with a look. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's get into comfort. So what is comfort? Now, the Oxford Dictionary defines comfort as the easing or alleviation of a person's feelings of grief or distress. So let me put it in a more um, practical terms. So a comf- to comfort someone is to help someone ease a feeling of grief or distress. So when you feel distressed about any situation, maybe your finances, maybe your relationship, and to kids here, yeah, your relationship in school, uh, when somebody says they don't like you anymore, kind of stuff, uh, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you. But can I stop? Can I pause a little bit? There's a mystery on earth that I've yet to really get to the bottom of it with young people. How a person has about 15 best friends, it does not make sense. You're speaking to a teenager and they say, and you ask them, well, how, many, how many friends do you have? They may tell you they have like 20 friends. And 10 or 15 of them are their best friends. It makes no sense. So how do you... So I need help here. So how do you build a very tight relationship with 15 people? I'm not having a dig at you teenagers this morning, but it makes no sense. I guess many of you do not understand what it means to have a, uh, what it means to have a close friend or best friend yet. 
right? So um, you can you can um, invite me for a special conversation and for us to talk about that. I really feel like speaking to, to, to teenagers this morning, but I, I need to deliver this. Along the line, I might touch on a few things uh, for you guys. Amen. So the comforter. It, to comfort means to ease a person of their feeling of distress or grief. Now, so which means a, com- a comforter is a person who eases people's feelings of discomfort, of grief, or distress. Fantastic. So let's bear in mind now, the dictionary definition of comforter or comfort, I'm going to be tying that with what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, talking about the comforter. Now, so let's start with the first one, counselor. I feel like uh, stopping over to call out a few things about this uh, about this comfort, the origin, why need comfort, you know, in the context of the Bible. So let me start with the context of the Bible, then I come into how it applies to us today. And this is for the benefit of some Bible scholars. Who will look at me in the face and say, well, that's not what the Bible is. Okay, all right. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that many people can quote the Bible, but they cannot apply the Bible to their individual life. It makes no sense. If you're a Bible scholar and you cannot live by the Word of God, you cannot teach it, you cannot explain it. So it's pointless for you to have so much head knowledge of the Bible if you cannot live it out. Amen. And I so much celebrate the kind of ministry that God has given to me to teach people to understand the Word of God, that they can practice it, walk in it. I respect much more a Christian who can practice the Word of God than the one who can quote tons of scriptures and cannot apply it to their life. Amen. Jesus said, if you continue my word, then you are my disciples. What does it mean to continue? It's not, just, it's not just hearing his word, but being able to practice his word. Jesus said, if you, if you keep my commandment, then you love me. How you demonstrate you love Jesus is by keeping, practicing, living by what he says, not just by quoting it. So single ladies, ladies listen carefully. Single guys, listen carefully. When you meet a guy or a girl, you know, a Christian brother, a Christian sister, whom you think could be a potential life partner, do not judge them. When I say judge, I'm talking about judging or, uh, in a positive sense. Or do not assess them by how much scriptures they can quote. Assess them, judge them, validate them by their practice. How their practice and their conduct fall in line with the word of God. I've met a number of Christian guys who are highly immoral and they can quote scriptures and look at me in the face and call themselves a spiritual leader. When everything else they do is stuck on godliness. Amen. So we know people, we assess people, we judge people by their conduct. And that's why I was speaking to a group last week, Thursday. I said, I tell people when you come to Transformers Church, Listen to me for about eight weeks before you make up your mind to say, I want to be a member of this family. It's one thing for you to be attending church. It's another thing for you to give yourself to the church and say, I want to be a part of the family. Because you got to be sure that the day you came to church, I was not preaching the best sermon in my entire life and things start going down the drain afterwards. Amen. So this is how my ministry runs. You know, word of knowledge. I'm going somewhere, but that we have to bless someone as a Lord. Uh, speaks to us in that regard. So, talking about the comfort, you know, so how I got into all of that, those kind of rabbit orders, because I'm trying to call attention to the fact that we have to learn to practice the word of God, to know the word of God, right? 
Uh, amen. <clears throat> so now, why did Jesus tell his disciples about the comforter? Why did they need comfort? Now, if you read chapter 15 of John, 18 to 21, uh, I think, let's read that. John 15, or second. In, uh, we can read the New King James Version. Sorry, guys, my, my mobile device is not bringing up my Bible very quickly this morning. Right, I think I'm nearly there. John 15, verse 18. And then let's look at the New King James, if that can give me very, take me there very quickly. So 18, over here reads, it said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I remember the word that I said to you: a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Now, before John 15, Jesus was telling his disciples about his departure. He's going back to the Father. You know, he's not going to be with them anymore, physically. He told them about the persecution he was going to go through. And that kind of disturbed their heart of his disciples. And Jesus told them that, you know, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you helpless. Right? I will pray the Father and he will send you another comforter. You know, another of the same kind. Which I shared with us from verse 16 of John chapter 14. Uh, comforter who will represent Jesus, take the place of Jesus in our lives, comforting us. So all of this together and also telling them about the persecution they will go through, all of this brought the stress to the heart of the, belief, of the disciples of Jesus and Jesus was calling out the, the ministry of the comforter. Now persecution, rejection, and when people impose a negative identity on us, tend to disturb us. They make us feel down. They make us feel unworthy of God. They make us feel like we cannot make anything tangible of ourselves, of our lives. Negative identifications, negative names, negative labels disturb us. Even though, you know, they, they put us in bondage. They don't allow us to express ourselves the way God wants us to express ourselves. And that's why one of the most powerful tools in the, in the hand of the enemy is to give you an identity that is not yours. So that as you listen, as you believe, as you embrace that identity, you are walking against the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And you cannot experience liberty. Now, one of the weapons of your enemy is uh, is words. So it speaks to you through other people. Right? The enemy speaks to you through other people. You know, they come from left, right, and center. And all of this thing causes the stress. So when you find yourself in emotional distress due to one circumstance or the other, how do you get back up? 
How do you come back on track? How do you put your life together and move forward? The Holy Spirit is there to help you in these times and even to reinforce the word of God in your heart so that like Pastor Tunde, you are ever ready. Are you getting ready to, to counter those attacks of the enemy? I tell you one truth. I'm not trying to promote Chancellor's Church. This is one of the best churches you can be in the world. I know what I'm talking about. Amen. <laughs> Get closer, then you know what's up. You know. Amen. Oh, Praise the Lord. The Lord has blessed the church with a, with a, with a spiritual father. And he said, I, I don't know where that came from because I don't like that spiritual father thing. But with a, but, well, as, a, as a shepherd over the household, a crazy man who stands in the word of God that will not take a rubbish from the enemy. Amen. It's not that I don't get, I'm not hit with discouragement or distress. It's not that I don't get, I'm not hit with those things. You know, I do get them. I probably I get them more often than many of you guys do because the enemy tries to silence me most of the time because as long as I'm silent and I'm incapacitated, you guys cannot be blessed in the capacity, you know, in my capacity as a pastor or lead you guys on the path that God wants you to go. So we must bear that in mind that the enemy will always throw darts at you through people, you know, uh, rejection from people, all manner of negative labels that people want to place upon us. So this thing distresses us. They make us feel uncomfortable. Uh, teenagers, listen carefully. You know, your friends call you all manner of negative names because they want to, for many reasons. And one of which is, uh, they want to uh, kill your light so that they can shine. But what they don't understand is that putting that another man's light does not make yours will shine brighter. Amen. In the kingdom of God, we light everybody's light. We help each one, each and, um, we, we, we help one another's light to shine because Christianity is not about one person shining or becoming a star. Christianity is about the body of Christ shining. Jesus said that we are the light of the world. One person cannot light the entire universe, the entire world. We collectively, as the children of God, the body of Christ, we light the world. And we are all members of the body of Christ according to 1 Corinthians 12. And each one playing his own part. Amen. We are a system that cannot, you know, just like, I like how the, the Bible uses the word, the body of Christ as an illustration to describe our togetherness. Now imagine your intestine, your small intestine choose to lock up and they stop, oh no, let me, okay, okay, let me, I'm trying to get back to my biology. But let's just say the main, okay, I think vein transports blood out of the, I know I, I can't remember, it's been a long time, I did biology. But let's say the, 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 the blood vessels that are supposed to carry blood to your heart. Let's say those guys decide to go on strike. Now, the blood vessels, you can't see them. What you can see is the face, and that's what most of the people in the world today celebrate, how you look your body shape. But the, the most attractive model you have ever heard of. Let's assume the major blood vessel that carries blood to their hearts choose to fail and stop working. What happens to them? They are dead. What I'm trying to say is this. In as much as everybody celebrates the face and the body shape of a model, excluding me, and a number of people here yeah, in this church, because we don't idolize body, I'll teach you, you, you hear more about that next week uh, when I begin to talk about spiritual and body at the conference. Now, in as much as every, a lot of people tend to celebrate and adore the body of a model, right? That model, what is really helping that or him or her to live is that the internal organs that the world cannot see. So you as a believer, your role in the body of Christ might not be the one that will be on the stage or a platform like me. But if you are not playing, if you don't play your part, it affects the entire system. I need very good graphic designers. You know, I headed up 
staying up late at 3 a.m. on two nights on that particular night about 2 a.m. because you know someone was trying to help me it was meant to help me out they don't understand how crucial the thing is and they didn't step in right and that kept me up late and delayed other things that should have been in place for the conference and many other things are affected. So one person not playing their part the way they should play it and take things very seriously affected a lot of things. So you may think a graphic designer, you know, they, they are not relevant, but they are super relevant because if they if they can put certain words and expressions of me that I have or received by the Holy Ghost, if they can put it properly in a graphical form, not graphic, in a good design and communicate the message clearly, we can reach more people. So nobody's role is insignificant. So what I'm trying to say is this. In the body of Christ, we don't try to shine as a person. We shine collectively. Let me connect it back to speaking to teenagers. So your friends in school may say, um, they may call you all manner of names so that they look good, they look at the celebrity, and you look like a non-entity. Such people should not be your friends. And I don't even know what you are doing with them in the first place. And this applies not only to teenagers, but adults as well. Your friends who, who try to always oppress you with their material possessions, with their designers. I'm tempted to go for that into that, but let me, calm, let me calm down. Amen. So, this kind of thing distresses us. And that's why, when I say this kind of things, I'm talking about, you know, rejection and the mistreatment of people. And the Holy Spirit is always there to what? To, um, to comfort us. Now, ask us to read the book of John, chapter 14, verse 18, 20, 21, to help us understand that the world will reject us. The world will not like us. Not because of our skin color, in a sense, that has a place. There's racism in the world due to the falling nature of mankind. Not because, you know, yeah, let me just put it there. But the world, to a very much extent, even where there's racism and stuff like that, to a very much extent, if you embrace the stupidity and the wickedness of the people of other races, they may like you. But that's just something else uh, on that topic for another day. But, what, but looking at it from purely the world and the church, as a member of the body of Christ, who speak the truth all the time and live by the truth, the world who is controlled and ruled by Satan, the father of lies, will not like you. So to think that people should be liking you on social media is to be deceived. Amen. Because even in the body of Christ, there are some, no, let me not use the body of Christ, in the church local assembly, there are people who claim to be Christians, but they are antichrist. Glory for John chapter 2. Right. They are antichrist. They are, they are against their conduct, their behavior, their way of thinking is against what Christ stands for, what Christ has done for us. Right. So to expect that some people in the church who are antichrist will love you is to be mistaken. So there will always be persecution, there will always be rejection, there will always be all manner of stuff against us by the enemy using people, even people who may seem to be spiritual leaders. When a spiritual leader start thinking of himself and start thinking of what they can get for themselves, gain for themselves, they'll begin to control you. And that's why we have abuse in the church, spiritual abuse, spiritual control. In the church, when it's spiritual control, I'm talking about people in spiritual authority trying to control people. Right? So all those things cause the stress, they disturb people, they, they, they hinder the effectiveness of our relationship with God. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us. 
You know, when we get distressed due to many of the situations or instances or, you know, things that I've called out, the Holy Spirit ministry is to comfort us. Now, so let's jump quickly into the uh, specific words that the Amplified Bible used to describe the Holy Ghost. Counselor. Now we're getting to the repentance bit. Counselor. Now, a counselor is a trained person, a person trained to give guidance on personal or psychological problems. I repeat, a counselor is a person trained to give guidance or psychological pro- uh, guidance on personal or psychological problems. Question number one, where do we seek guidance on personal and psychological problems? Think about it for a few sec- five seconds. Where do you seek guidance on personal, psychological problems, marital problems? Where do you go? Hallelujah, as the custom of some people is or are, number one. Where? Anyone want to try? Where do you think people go to first? Google, that's it. <laughs> the Google is the best friend of many people, right? Your, your boyfriend is not, does not like you or is looking at you one kind or is being sneaky. First thing, go on Google when your, when your boyfriend is, is hiding his phone. Google. You know, I think sometimes we don't remember that what you find on Google are web pages created by human beings who have an, who have a notion or ideology of how things should be. So Google as an internet as a search engine is not an entity, an independent entity, or an Alpha Omega, or an agent from heaven. No, Google is just a search engine that collates, that returns to you um, search results based on what you're looking for. Pulling information from all manner of people. Satan's cousin, Satan's brother, Satan's mother-in-law. All, they all have their content there. Amen. Yeah. All of Satan's family members, they have all their content there. And they are very sophisticated. You know, they can speak good English. When you go to YouTube, you find... Satan's son-in-law, brother-in-law, they're on YouTube. They will carry the cross. They will call themselves a church. Amen. So Google and YouTube, you know they are the same person or the same company. They're the same company, right? Amen. So many of you go to Google or YouTube. Now I'm speaking to believers here. Right? Google, okay. Let's hold on to that. Before I start advising us on terms of repentance. So, Google. So, as many of you have been going to Google, let me ask you a question. So, how has it been working for you? How many of them have worked? I know I have heard of someone in the conference who nearly lost their life. They had an L challenge and they went on Google and they found a website and they tried to practice what the website said and they landed in the hospital. Amen. Ha 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 ha. Let me not get it. So, some of you guys, when it comes to you, when you have psychological issues, things that have. When I say psychological, I'm talking about issues that has to do with the mind. Uh, I've been speaking to a whole people this in the past few weeks. And one thing that shocked people in their 50s, 60s, I've been speaking to in the past few weeks, is the volume, sheer volume of mental health issues among teenagers. When a teenager is feeling suicidal, when a teenager is being depressed, I don't understand. What is the problem? You don't have, you're not paying bills. You are living under your, your parents' home. 
they pay your school fee, it depends on which country you're living in, they are feeding you, you don't have any responsibility. And you are depressed because one, one of the because is because you don't look like the model in your school who has the package. Can I be mean a little bit this morning? Are you well? I know some parents will attack me because I said that. Parents, can I say something to you? Don't switch, don't, don't switch off. Don't switch off. Hold up. Don't go. Don't go. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me talk to us. To a very much extent, the false freedom that we give to our children is what is keeping them in captivity. The false freedom that many of us are giving to our children is what is putting them in bondage. Right? So, parents should go back and think, what am I allowing my kids to do? You know, when I hear all manner of news about teenagers, and I'm not saying all teenagers, but majority of the teenager, teenage problems that I've had, when they bring it to me, I, when I, I start with the parents, and we look at the situation, and I'm asking them, so what were you doing at this time of the day? What were you doing? Because when you give a teenager or a young child a smartphone, do you know what, you, what you've done? You've given them a portal for everyone in the world to contact them. Satan's cousin, Satan's brother, Satan's uncle, in many different forms, pedophiles, all manner. That thing, internet, that you give to the child, the smartphone you give to the child, is a portal for all kinds of engagement and interaction in the world, which the Bible tells us is a wicked world full of all forms of darkness. So to say you will give your child access to the internet or put the world, access to the world in his own hand and not monitor or guide them actively as to what to go, what to be curious about, what to look at, is to be deceiving ourselves. My children are so blessed. <clears throat> because we have to tell who, who the father is, whether it's me or them. Because I think, well, there's some things that will not even allow them to be, to be, you know, to, to, to get the attention in the first place anyway. So that comes there. And teenagers, listen, you know, for, you know of, of the different age categories, age groups in the world, the people that I know whose shoulder are the highest, the shoulder are the highest, are teenagers. You just think you know everything. Daddy and mommy are old school. And I'm talking about children who have godly parents. Somebody in school whose head is not correct, who comes from a home where they have all kinds of mental health issues, is coming to school to tell you what life should look like. You have a father and a mother who are peaceful. Somebody whose one mother, and this is not, this is not to speak derogatory of people, whose mother is happy to bring all manner of men into their home. You know, the daughter of the, a daughter of such a woman who is, on, who is not born again, who does not know God, is now coming to advise you in school and you are taking notes and you are coming to tell your parents what should... You are coming to tell your parents what should, what should be and what should not be. God bless you threatening them with social services. I say, goodbye. And this is because I have life examples. That's why I'm saying this. 
You know, a five-year-old threatened the mother to call the social services if the mother mistakenly hit her. <laughs> and I laughed. I think, is this five? Yeah, five-year-old. The woman was shocked. You know, I was attending this Christian group and um, the woman was expressing her shock. Now, I will not judge that situation on the surface because I want to understand the interaction. What has the woman been up to as well? And what have you given the child? Where did she get the information from? Amen. <clears throat> Teenagers, um, you must be up to something for God to be getting me to speak to you guys today. And you guys need to repent in fast because you guys are just taking time out of my service unnecessarily. Amen. Now we're nearly out of time. I need to shut down. You can't escape. As a father about this household, God will speak to me and I will call things out. Amen. So, Google. Number two, palm readers. Palm readers. You know, people go to palm readers. Palm, your palm, your hand, your palm. Palm, right? To read the lines of your hand. To predict your destiny. We need to be born again. We need divine intervention in our lives. If a believer is going to a palm reader, so I'm not joking, I know what I'm talking about, to look at their palm and they take their destiny. So, or to interpret the lines of your hands, you know, to predict their future. Something is not right. Another one, psychologist. So these are experts in, in, in um, in the mind and the behavior of the mind. Now, listen carefully. A psychologist only deal with your mind. They do not know you because you are a spirit that have a soul and live in the body. So they can look at one part of your soul. They don't even really understand your heart. And they will give you textbook or generic human um, experience. You see, I, I've been to counseling, right? And two counseling that have been involved in what we were doing, that we had to cancel them. That was back, uh, not not that was back in um, back in the days. We had to cancel them because at times, you know, we got to a certain point where I realized that those people don't know what they don't know me, and I actually went just because they say, you know what, Christians sometimes don't go for counseling, and I had to start schooling the counselors on the practicality and the reality of life. I'm not a trained counselor, but I was training the counselor. I was asking them questions they could not answer. And these are trained and professional counselors. So am I condemning counselors? No. Counselors may be able to start with you and take you after a rot to start with. But they cannot solve your problems. Psychologists cannot solve your problem. Therapists cannot solve your problem. They can give you a quick fix for the start, but they cannot provide lasting solution to the problems of our lives. Because we live in a world of spirit. These guys will not relate with you on the biblical terms. They will not relate with you based on your spiritual authority. They don't even understand your spiritual authority. Even if they are Christians who understand spiritual authority, except you go forward to a Christian counselor who is called in the things of the spirit, they cannot help you. Because if they are not, if you don't go to a Christian, if you did not go to a Christian's counselor, wherever you go to, right, uh, even if they are Christian, they cannot, they are not permitted to relate with you on a, on a spiritual basis. So they're handicapped. I'm glad I'm not a counselor and I will not be a counselor. Because if you bring a problem to me, 
I'm going to go into the Word of God where the solution to the problem is. Not that I'll quote the scriptures to you. You just need to have a session with me or something that you know what I'm talking about because I can't do justice to what I'm talking about by merely talking to you guys. Right. But guys who have been to, who have been to me to ask me for uh, counseling advice one way or the other and understand what I'm talking about. So you are a spirit. You live in the body. You, you, you have a soul and you live in the body. So going to people who would deal with an element of you cannot bring a lasting solution to your problem. Like I said, I'm not condemning them or writing them off. They can help you to kind of start getting your thoughts together, but they cannot provide lasting solution to your problem. Amen. I think I just lost my mic there. Okay. Uh, the devil is a liar. Okay, I'm just going to switch mic very quickly. Let me, uh, one second, guys, while I switch mic. Praise the Lord. Fantastic. <clears throat> I will finish this message. I'm just joking. Right, guys, so I need to shut down now because I still have a lot of things to, uh, to share with you guys, but I can cover everything here. So, palm readers, psychologists, some people go to doctors. Medical doctors can help from a medical perspective, but to a very much extent, they're not always able to help us on spiritual matters. And that's why I was focusing on psychological problems. Who do you go to, Right. Doctors will give you medication to, and they'll call it a name. All manner, they call it all manner of names. I have a nurse in the house. They call it all manner of names and um, they will give you medication. And the question is, how well is this medication working? Why Do you think God wants you to be on lifelong medication to deal with psychological issues? No. Right? Uh, talking about depression with teenagers, you, you know, then they start giving them antidepressant drugs. Excuse all medication. Now, the thing is this. The problem was not caused, it was not a medical problem in the first place. The wrong input in the mind of the teenagers and the people is what is causing the depression in the first place. And we then give them medical drugs to suppress the emotion or to suppress the, um, the, the consequence or the impact of the problem. We are not doing them any good. But this is no fault to the doctors. They just got to do their job. Amen. So, what I'm trying to do is laying the foundation for, for you to see the crucial need for the comforter in your life. He's with you, he's in you, but except I call things out this way, you may not kind of understand or realize how much, how much important is the role, playing, the role it plays in your life. I'm going to be fast, guys. Just give me four minutes, please. Uh, parents. When people have psychological problems, they go to parents. But your parents do not know what you have been up to. They can't really help you. Amen. Parents, I want to help you here a little bit. When your child comes to you to tell you some stuff, don't just jump into it and tell them, I have people. I have people that when their child tells them about a problem, the next thing they do is just shouting. It is because you are, it is because you are, you know what happens to those children? They shut down. They don't tell you stuff anymore. Parents, listen. Mothers, listen. I have, I have mothers that I'm talking to. Right? You don't listen to the child. You don't pay. Since I'm rebuking some mothers this morning. You are not quiet. Listen. One of the problems I have with some mothers most is listening. You don't listen. Listen. What is this? What is he or she saying? What is he or she trying to say? Because a child, most of the, most of the time, do not know how you're going to react to a situation. So, what they are telling you is not even actually the problem. 
you know, when I, sometimes when I'm speaking to teenagers, at 19 minutes, we are still trying to, we are still dancing around the situation. Maybe by two hours, now we are not getting to it. By two and a half hours, they are speaking. And some of them, it depends on where I meet them. You know, when I see that the heart muscle is very good, I just ask them straight, what is this? What happened here? And they go quiet. And I come down. Let's start having a conversation. Amen. Mothers should learn to listen. Fathers as well. See, there's no point in now speaking to people who don't have a child yet. So if you are not going to pay attention and raise the children, do not, don't, there's no point having children. Don't bring children into the world and subject them to all manner of trouble and problem. You're not going to look after them or go and learn from people who already have uh, children to understand the complexity and have, of having children. To have a child is not beans. This is an African slang. It's not a walk in the park. I think the English people understand that one. It's a responsibility. You are bringing a human being into the world who have a mind of their own. Who can choose and decide what they want to do. Right? So parents, when your child brings a situation to you, listen. Pray about it. Meditate on the Holy Ghost. So that you can learn to ask the right question and draw the matter out of them. Parents, you have a limited time you spend with your child. Most of the prime time of their days is spent with the wicked and the ungodly in the world. Or even, even, even after they have some friends who said it's correct to some extent. So the outside world have more influence and they have more time. They are spending more time with your child than a few hours to spend with them in the evening. Maybe weekends. Or when they go on their holiday. So you think you can just easily identify the thief who is trying to steal their peace and their joy. No, it's not that easy. Amen. So parents, you got to listen. You got to also learn to depend on the Holy Ghost to give you insight, to help you to ask the right question. The moment your child starts stepping out of your doors to meet outsiders, the enemy is going to plant stuff in their mind. So you do, they don't even need to start ste- stepping out anymore now. The enemy through the media and the smart device you give them has a channel to reach them. So parent, parenting in this 21st century is a different game. Amen. Uh, the four minutes you gave me just expired. Uh, so um, speaking to people, sometimes when we have issues, our parents should not be the first person to go to. Uh, they wasn't going to give us advice. But some of you are, because I'm wrapping up and we have a lot of grounds to cover, let me just touch on a few things. To a very much extent, before you go to your parents, you should learn to ask the comforter. I just want to give us this bonus. Ask the comforter, ask the Holy Ghost, what do I do? When shall I speak to my parents about this? There's some matters in our life that we need to get the timing right before you speak to your parents about it. And if you are grown up like me, there's some things I will never tell my parents. Not because, you know, like you cannot, I'm a pastor, I'm an adult, I live, I, I'm responsible for my life. You know why? Because based on spiritual insight I've gotten, my parents can never get it. It's not a cross. Because what, how they respond to some challenges that I'm, that I'm going through is emotional. Ha! Ah, that's how somebody's son, that's how somebody's daughter, somebody, I don't want to hear all of that. Even the challenges I go through, I don't tell all believers. If, you are going to, if a believer has a potential to pour doubt and unbelief in my heart, I won't tell you about the challenge I'm going through. I'd rather go through 
on my own, with my wife, pray until we pray, pray through, on, than to tell some believers who will complicate the matter and pour that on unbelief in your heart. You know, somebody was going to pray with me as, recently, and I think based on how I talk, you know, they thought I was going through um, anxiety, and, and they mean well. They thought I was going through anxiety and disturb, but I wasn't. Concerned this conference, I am as restless as, as anything. Sorry, I am restful. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, so I take that back. So it's a slip of tongue. Tongue. Concerning this conference, I am as restful as anything. I'm not bothered one bit. I've not gone to bed. They stopped one second. It's been a lot of work. I'm not one bit. As I'm speaking to you right now, my mind is on the next phase of for the church where God is taking us to. Now, we just, we're, trying to set, we're trying to settle in this new facility. We're still trying to settle. We've been doing testing all day today, right? My mind has gone ahead. My mind is not even really in the conference anymore because I said the conference is done and sorted already. What I'm looking at for the conference are the lives, life change results that people will come back to tell us, say, weeks later, months later, that from that conference, this happened to me. I saw this, I saw that. So one of the reasons why I don't even share my concerns with some believers is because I don't see them to be people of faith who will speak life but might bring to my attention doubt and fear. I don't want that. Amen. So finally, two minutes, finally, uh, other sources that people go to for comfort. Prophets. Bishops. My bishop said, Let's be grateful to God that I'm about to shut down um, because I will, have, I will have really trashed this this morning. Your bishop, can I help us a little bit? A bishop is just a pastor. A bishop means pastor. It's another title for a pastor. So for a person to say they are a bishop and they see themselves to be a big man or woman, they're just fooling themselves. Let's talk, this is Christianity. The arrogance and the pride we did not see in Jesus we should not exhibit. I repeat, the arrogance and the pride we did not see in Jesus, we should not exhibit them, men and women of God, with all due respect. Amen. A bishop is a pastor, and the pastor is a shepherd. A shepherd is to serve the, serve the church and bless them, look after their welfare. See, to be called a bishop is not to have a hierarchy in the church, to rule and control and bombard and kick people left, right, and center. It is manipulative. It is an abuse of power that Jesus has given to you. And small, small boys, people are just coming up in ministry. I call them to bishop so they can control. Because I'm bishop. What I'm about to say will cause them a people sound violent. I will not say it. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, um, I got to just get a shut down here. Uh, pray for me that I remember next week. Like I know some of you know me, to, you know me to remember. And I pick it up from here. You know, we're just looking at the word counselor, which I've not um, completed yet. Uh, we need to look at helper, advocate, strengthener, standby, and these are heavy stuff. So I thought I was going to do this in it's kind of like four weeks already. Amen. So don't forget where we where we're coming from. We're talking about the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. 
He is the comforter. He eases our and alleviates our feelings of grief and distress. And many things that I covered earlier on. So please uh, play, replay the message and um, you know, take your point. Think about them. Talk to people this week about this stuff. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much um, for listening. It's good to have you guys in church virtually and physically um, for, for traveling all the way from London to part of the testing. Amen. We look forward to having you guys from Friday, 4 p.m. Uh, I don't think Christ Conference goes live. Right? It's one of those conferences you don't want to ever miss. If you know that you, need, you, you want your identity reinforced, whereby you have so much confidence, you want to, to stand and call yourself a Christian, you want to be in that, that meeting. And I know what I'm talking about. Amen. People say to me that they want to have my level of confidence and courage to how I talk about being a Christian and the fact that I show the fact that I'm a Christian in my workplace. And I was speaking to one director uh, last Friday. I said, you know, I'm a preacher. Outside of work, I'm a preacher. How they get to me? And you cannot ask me how do you do that. And a few of those things I will cover. They're not mental accent. They're, you know, there's certain realization that must come up alive on the inside of you to help you be able to live out that Christian life. And these are the part of things I'm going to be, uh, we're going to be covering uh, next week. Pastor Diamond will be coming around and it's going to be, it's going to be also the ministry alongside myself and, he, and um, some other friends will be, we are around as well. Uh, it's going to be interactive. Right? Hence, I'm not streaming this. Uh, we're going to have some practical session. We have space for just 40 people. Right, I know 25 people have uh, 26 people that are about to register. I know there are more people uh, coming, but I want to just encourage you to please register, please. And then I can know how to, if at all things have to go over 40, I will have to think about how to go about it. So I need you guys to register, please. Uh, that's that one. Um, anything else I need to call out? I think that's it. So I'll just wrap up with the guys on, um, on Zoom. And um, yeah, we look forward to hearing guys' feedback and comments. Fantastic. So let me pray with you guys as we go this week. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word coming to us and you know, reminding us of, of the ministry of the Holy Ghost as a comforter. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. As we go out this, uh, this week, we begin to ask ourselves, where do we go for comfort? Or what are the alternative sources of comfort we go to? And we'll be able to identify if we are finding the peace and the joy or the solution that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit brings into our life in those places. For we know that we, we cannot get them there, but we pray that our eyes will open to see the gaps and what's not working so that we can start making adjustments, a correct adjustment in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, guys. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the week. Bye.